Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. All right. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks to the the motor mouthers sticking around. Motor mouthers. Motor mouthers. Mouthers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gearheads. There it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for the audience for sticking around. Yeah. Thank you much. That nice warm up for the motor mouth show this morning. It's always good. Gets people in the Mm -hmm. mood. I know they got some phone calls. Sounds like what? They had five or six phone calls oh, this morning. Five or six this morning. It was good this morning, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some talk about how long uh, a yellow light is yellow for. Yeah. I didn't realize that. 1.5 seconds for every uh, 10, 10 miles, miles of speed. Yeah. yeah. If you're going real fast, mm-hmm. like in a 55 and you see a yellow light, mm-hmm. Have you ever just slammed on the brakes and then you stop at the limit line and it's still yellow? Yeah. <laughs> when you should have like give just you gone so through. Much time. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, that's longer, more yellow than I thought we were getting Very on good. these. Yeah. So, no, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Is that the phone ringing already? That's uh, that's our um, outside somewhere in the building. Oh, phone. somebody's not, wanting. Not our in line. Our in line, you know, our in studio does not actually ring. Somebody's wanting to buy advertising right now. Yes. Uh, in studio lights up. That's why it may take a minute for me to answer the phone because it, you don't actually hear it ring. Oh, so yeah. I'll just let people know. By the way, is the phone all back on track this the week? The phone is back on track you this week. You don't have to answer it in the other no, room. No, I have to go to the other room. The bat phone's actually still in the studio. They fixed it. <laughs> no way. Yeah. How do, it must not have been the actual phone. Uh, something in the electronics somehow. Interesting. Something got unplugged or something. Yeah. There you go. All so, right. um, you know, I just I just uh, threw my weight around around here this week and got some phones fixed. <laughs> so today, yeah, right? <laughs> today right. we're testing the uh, Diablo Canyon siren. Oh, right? yeah, no, that's, right. that's right. People need to remember that. Mm-hmm. And and even when you know it's coming, it's still a freaky sound because it sounds it's to like, me it sounds oh, like man. the air raid siren or something. Yeah. Three minutes at noon. So everybody needs to know that's going to happen. Don't freak out. You don't need to do anything. Yeah, it's not one of the little grown ones this time. They actually let the thing go for about three minutes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's creepy, They're though, loud. isn't it? When I have one right by my house. I have one right by my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Wild. And what else? Oh, updates on the fire. Have you heard anything new? I know yesterday it sounded like a pretty good day for containment and stopping forward progress. Yeah. yeah, I saw fifty-one percent contained. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's it's pretty scary. Oak oh. Shores has got the evacuation order lifted. Allowed to go back up there, huh? One yeah. of our one of our loan processors family just family members just bought a house up in that community. I'm I'm I mean, thinking just this. closed like literally a month or two ago. And I, for a little while, it was actually uninsured. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, yeah. In fact, it was really challenging to find uh, fire insurance for the that area up there. Yeah. I actually had to drive to Santa Barbara last Sunday, so I went right by the Ray Fire oh, out okay. there by 154. 
And I was kind of surprised they were letting people over 154, but man, it was just kind of seems really, like, really scary to go through there. Seems like there's a lot of stuff on fire lately. I think that there's something happening, like somebody's going around setting them. Beyond my personal opinion, because there for a minute, there on uh, Thursday, I think it was, there was a little fire there off of 101. Again, hmm. by the same area that by the campground that burned not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So I think somebody's going around. That's them scary personally. to think. Let's hope not. I hope not. And if they are, hopefully they get caught. Yeah. You know, I do. <laughs> and knows everything in regard to the, in the in regard to the chimney fire um our governor issued a state of emergency and so if you're doing a loan up in that passable zip code it just so could happen um this is kind of a common thing by the way with the flooding in the south or big fires somewhere wherever there might be a Tornadoes, natural disaster yeah. When a disaster area, you know, if there's an alert issued for an area and you're doing financing in that area, like say the appraiser comes out and then, you know, you're in the middle of the loan transaction and then there's a big fire, right? Kind of like if this deal we just did up in Oak Shores, if that was a little bit more recent, usually have to send the appraiser back out or some other form of like independent proof that the residence was undamaged and still there. So... If you're doing a transaction up in that area of Oak Shores, Nassimino Lake, then um, you might just have to do that. I mean, there's like 40 buildings or something that were lost, something close to that. Yeah, 40 homes and then a few other outbuildings. Now, here's a question for you. Yeah. The fire's active still. Right. I mean, winds could pick up. It could gain new life. Can you even close a loan up in that area right now with the fire such, you know, still a threat? I think you, yeah, I think you could, you might end up having to go a little bit farther to prove that you're uh, not, you, there's no imminent threat. Like, for example, if, as long as we're talking about Oak Shores, that's an interesting case because the um, evacuation order was lifted yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it could have been two days ago you were trying to close and said, hey, this place didn't burn down yet. So it's still under an evacuation order. So one of the primary things, I mean, that would prohibit you from being able to prove that it was undamaged. Nobody right. could get there to go say, oh, it's still here. And then once the evacuation order is lifted, then, you know, the threat of that area is no longer imminent. And now somebody could get in to verify it. So you'd be okay, provided that somebody could get in there to verify that it's still there. Hmm. Kind of crazy. There's another big fire that's burning down in Southern California, too, or a couple of them. Yeah. There's, yeah, Santa Barbara, and there's, like, was it San Bernardino? I think San Bernardino. Yeah, the one down by... Uh, yeah, it was burning over close to Devore, I thought. Uh-huh. I saw, anyway. Yeah, there's well, a lot of fire stuff going on. When I parked next to you a minute ago, your truck looks covered in ash. Is Morro uh, Bay just getting my, ash? Yeah, I walk out every morning, and it smells like campfire, and there's little yeah. ash flakes have, you know, sprinkled all over my you're, car. And you're I, probably getting, the, like... The benefit of the Big Sur fire plus the chimney fire. Oh, yeah. Wild. Well, actually, where I live, because I live in the South County, we're kind of getting some of the smoke from both. Because yeah. depending on the way the wind blows. Mm-hmm. So if it's coming from the east, then you might be getting some from the Ray Fire. And then from if it's coming from, like, the northwest, then you're getting some from Nascimento. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Well, 
How was the week? What do you crazy know? Crazy as usual. This is this is the the busy time for yeah, it's the go mortgage time. industry. Yeah. It's, I think uh I was looking at some numbers yesterday. I think this might be a record setter for for our company as far as closings go. Good. It's a, yeah, it's an incredible month. But yeah, we're just we're working like dogs. Not a lot of time for for lunch or you know, small talk or anything. During it's the day. impressive. It's, it's impressive nonstop. how much there is to get done right now. I mean, it's and and really, I mean, truly a blessing to to be so busy. I mean, so lucky to to have a lot of business going on. I saw just yesterday when I was getting show notes together. Um, this is supposed to be the the best year in mortgage origination since 2012. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, our company, I, I suppose you still have to admit to sort of being in the um, juvenile status of being a business or something. I mean, maybe at least in 2012, because there's a part of me that wants to say, did you see like the is this volume going to be so much better than 2012? And the answer is, yeah, but the company's also bigger. You know, there's more loan officers, more volume. Um and rates probably aren't quite as low as they were in 2012, right. though they're close. But as the industry as a whole, this is the year. Well, in 2012 was, I think, the the first big dip in rates. Yeah, you know, it dipped all the way down to three percent. Yeah, thirty year fixed loans. Yeah, you know, if you if you're in a crowded room full of people right now, raise your hand if you got a three and a an a thirty year fix. And there's people that did, and good for them. That's awesome. Good low rates today. You'd be you'd be paying some extra fees to be getting a rate that low, but I mean these rates are nothing to turn your nose up to. We're still sitting in the the mid three ish range, depending on uh, you know your characteristics, equity, credit, that kind of thing. You know the big there was some talk this week too about um, one of the biggest hangups that's going on right now in in loan season and in just how busy everything is hit the radar finally of the National Association of Realtors, said um, appraisals are a problem again. And you, know, you look back and see that appraisals have been a problem for different reasons. For a little while there, appraisals were a problem because home values were declining and we didn't really know how to how to grapple with that. So you saw these weird adjustments for like, well, you're in a declining market, so we limit your loan to value, or um, they'll they'll even do these. They were doing these weird adjustments where they were like taking some extra value off because it had been a couple months since your yeah. comps closed in the declining market, and then once it sort of once the free fall of property values stopped, that was right when we got into the. Um, HVCC, yeah. the Home Valuation Code of Conduct. I always forget what the... It was... There was something, though. It was like safe or something in the beginning, although maybe that well, was... Well, I think the, it was started out HVCC, and then it went to AIR, AIR. AIR, yeah. And so now we're under the appraisal independence requirements, which essentially, you know, both Didn't were change. trying to do the same thing, yeah. where they separated the ability from someone who had a financial interest in the property from from uh selecting the appraiser right so there could be no collusion you couldn't value. just hand pick your appraiser right and i gotta say even as somebody with you know pretty high morals and integrity um i could absolutely see how people got down in the trenches over that if even only unintentionally like we had some appraisers that we worked with 
um, prior to HVCC that were um, just good appraisers. And so then sort of just as, you know, normal business practices would have it, those good appraisers are busy. And now they're doing a lot of business for you. And, and then if you ever called upon that for a favor is to say, hey, Dan, you're a great appraiser and man, I sure love working with you. And on this one, I really need your help. Yeah. This is I know I never ask for it, but on this one, I but, just need five thousand dollars of extra value. It makes the it's not just the difference of whether or not you know it doesn't just change the rate. It doesn't change whether or not you know this borrower is going to need mortgage insurance, but it changes whether or not this guy can refi, and it's dire. It's hundreds of dollars a month, and yada yada yada. And you, it, you know, a good enough tug at the old heartstrings, and the reality that. A lot of business comes your direction from me and this group. You know, you might you might just make a, a poor decision to try then to falsify that value in some way. And I'm not suggesting that everybody did it, but I could I can what I am telling you is I can clearly see how it was possible. So HVCC comes along and now I don't get to order my appraisal from Dan. You might get it. There's a big list of appraisers. We got all of you in the hopper. And now what happens is on a refi, there's no indication of value whatsoever. We merely are asking for a report and we don't get to know who it is until they deliver the report. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it, it got rid of all that, right? I mean, there was some, there was some growing pains in there. It wasn't altogether fun. Um, and so that's the way it's been for a while. So now we're back in this appreciating market, right? Where now appraisers are struggling to kind of show the the real value of property to some degree because can't justify the the rapid increases. Well, yeah, let's say that, you know, there's four houses on the block that are for sale and the first one sells for 500 and the second one sells for 505 and the third one sells for 510. Um, and now you need to value the fourth one. What are you going to value it at? I'm How good at patterns. Be, I was going to say, could be a little more. How's I'm going to call it 515. Yeah, sure. um, maybe, hey, actually, let's call it 520 because it's the last one, right? I mean, the other one's already sold. And that first guy, he's stoked. He got 500. That's a great deal. Um, but so now there's a scarcity thing. We're in this increasing market, which we can tell by the comps. But there isn't one out there for 520 or 525. So what do we do? How do we address that? And so that's been a little bit of a challenge for appraisers to figure out how mathematically to show that. And, and you know, honestly, thankfully, it's never that cut and dry. You don't ever just see just these four homes. And so what you do see is listings that are pending and other reasons that might support the slight reach of 1% or 2 or 3%. Um, appreciation into this new one that you're justifying so and and by the way on a purchase transaction we do give the realtor the purchase contract the appraiser yeah that's what i meant yeah, the yeah. Re we don't give it to the realtor the realtor gives it to us we give it to the appraiser and what it does with the appraiser they're allowed now they get to see who the players are if they're related what the concessions are i mean if you're throwing in a mercedes into that fancy sales price people would want to know that or if the seller's having to pay some closing costs to compete or whatever those things then get documented because they're all in the sales contract now they end up in the appraisal and it helps us all understand the value 
So those have been kind of the challenges. Well, now we're at this point where, and this is where the National Association of Realtors is hopping in saying that um, the biggest problem now is that there's just um, a lack of available appraisers and the turn times are just too slow. Um, in fact, they said that one quarter, um, over a quarter of all contract delays in the last three months were caused by appraisals um, alone. And basically, here's the problem. And you kind of know this. I mean, if you, I know it's going to be different from state to state, but um, appraisers are licensed. They go to school, get get some coursework under their belt. They get a license, and then they need to work basically as an apprentice under an appraiser in a supervisory capacity um, for, you know, a residential appraiser is a couple thousand hours. Yeah, it ends up being like a year or two years before they can actually appraise homes on their own. Yeah, so you, during that period, if you're an up-and-coming appraiser, you need to move in with mom. Well, and you got to find an appraiser that wants to take you on as their shadow and pay you while you're really not producing any work on your own. And let me pay you to be my future competition to sure. undercut me. And then there's other there's there's several different levels of licensure in appraisal. You know, you can only your your first level of license only allows you to do conventional appraisals up to a certain dollar amount. Right. You need to get another thousand or however many hours to do properties over a million dollars or and you have to do stuff for fha or va it, there's all these different levels to, to so there's to various that. barrier to entry that make it time consuming and very expensive because i mean i kind of said that in jest that you need to move in with your mom but you might need to move in with your mom <laughs> sometimes these appraisers might have to offer to work for free I mean, let's say if I'm the appraiser and you're the apprentice and you come to me and say, hey, the only way I get to do this to put my schoolwork and this test and this license to use is if I work for you for 2,000 hours. Um, what's in it for me, man? Like I said, I'm training you. My competition, I'm training my competition that is likely going to undercut me and compete in my market. Why would I do it? Well, you know why I do it because you're going to work almost for free. I'm going to make you work for me for, I mean, what, 10 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour. Now you're like a, you're a skilled, trained appraiser having to work for pennies on the dollar for somebody now, just sort of being exploited for a couple of years while you get your wings. Something a little bit wrong with that system. And now, right now, in this market in San Luis Obispo, I can tell you for sure that we're feeling a little bit of the pains of that. Yeah, we had a couple of appraisers on a few weeks, maybe a month back, and they did both commercial and residential. The residential guy said it's two weeks, minimum two weeks to get an appraisal done from the time he's receiving an order to the time the appraisal report's completed. Now, that's not counting the delay in just receiving the order, right? because usually a contract is accepted and the standard language in a, in a purchase contract says 17-day appraisal contingency. 
Well, it takes a day or two sometimes to get all the signatures together and open escrow and and then the appraisal order, you know, and then complete the disclosure process for the loan and then order the appraisal. Get some payment information from the borrower, call the AMC, place the order. Once the The report is... The AMC then is going to place the order with the appraiser who then is going to attempt to make contact with its occupants to schedule an inspection. Right. So now it's all said and done. This guy's done and says, here's your appraisal. And then it goes through a QC process with the AMC before anyone ever gets to look at the report. And that can take, you know, 48 to 72 hours for corrections to be given back to the appraiser. They make the corrections. They deliver the report back to the AMC. And then finally... The parties get to see the report. The bar, you know, the the home buyer, the lender, sure. everyone finally gets to look at the report. And now we're three weeks in. Yeah. So let's back that clock up a little bit. Day seventeen. Listing agent, who's wanting to protect the seller. By the way, I mean, what's the worst possible thing that can happen for you at, during a contract with the listing agent is probably that the buyers that you guys have selected together, and oftentimes the listing agent and the seller make this determination together, but so you're going to have both of you now have participated in this decision, accept this offer from this buyer, and now what you're going to do is you're going to walk out the steps just one at a time. Okay, we're going to get through their contingency period where they're going to do their due diligence. They're going to get their home inspection. They're going to test the well. They're going to pump the septic and inspect the septic. They're going to um, they're going to get an appraisal. They're going to get a loan approval. They're going to do all this thing. And so you get these 17 days to do it. If I am the seller or I'm the listing agent wanting to protect the seller, it's very important that I want to keep this timeline. So on day 17... I couldn't call you up and say, hey, we're at day 17. I need you to lift your appraisal and loan contingencies today. I'm not being a bully to you. This is what the contract says. This is what we all agreed to. And so then what? The buyer's agent's going to go, well, what happened was <laughs> there's not enough appraisers around because there's you know, this training requirement and the, and then it's summertime. So a lot were on vacation and it's just tell you what we have appraisers that are appraisal orders that have been, um, waiting to just get assigned to an appraiser, just an appraiser agree to take it for a week or two. So, and that's with a full-time person at our company following up. So what do you do? What do you do? Whoever you are in the transaction, if you're the buyer, the seller, you're the listing agent, the selling agent, the loan officer, the whoever you are, you're kind of at the mercy of somebody else. Everybody's got some reason they're trying to do what they're trying to do. And so if you're the seller, you can get real stressed out as you are afraid that it's not just a delay, that there's some problem that no one's sharing yet. You know, the loan, the loan has some problem and the people just aren't being forthcoming. And so, but we're here to share with you that there isn't a problem necessarily, that it's just the state of the industry today with activity being so high, rates are low. So you've got a lot of people refinancing as well as people buying in the the summer season and appraisals are just taking a long time. So you got to prepare yourself for that. Here's the interesting thing is, um, I got a call from Steve Weiss the other day. Uh, I don't talk to Steve too much. Um, He's a super great guy. I really like him a lot. And I know he listens to the show a lot. 
we just don't do a lot of business together, he and I. You know, he's kind of more in a manager capacity and stuff. But hey, when the going gets tough and he's got a question about something for a loan or, you know, in the loan process, he calls me. So he called me up the other day and said, hey, you know, what's going on with this this appraisal, this, that, and the other is happening. And I, the reason I bring this up is that when people want to talk about what the difference is between working with Quicken or working with Central Coast Lending, let's isolate that rate thing. We beat them every time, but you don't have to believe that. But here's a real here's a real life example, though. Let's say your lender's Quicken and your appraisal's having a big snafu. Nobody in the transaction is going to give you the benefit of the doubt based on the name and reputation of your lender. In this case where somebody, one of the listing agents or buyer agents or whatever, and they call and they go, okay, it's Central Coast Lending. So it's a local company. Um, They understand we have a reputation in the market and we're trying hard to do right all the time. And then they can look and go further. Okay, it's Jason. Let me call and see what's going on. They can call me up. And then I can say, yeah, you know, this order was placed on this day and forward a few emails. The appraisal management company communicates well with us that this this report is out for assignment, but there's no appraisers picking it up. And when we start, so that's what happens first. They put it out into the queue and then you want appraisers to say, I'll take it. And they grab it and take and do the work. But if no one's taking it, now the managers at the AMC, they call. They start calling appraisers. Hey, what's going on? This can you take this report? Uh, I don't really like that because you know it's out next to Lake Nasimeno, and I don't want to drive that far. Okay, would you go that far for another hundred bucks? Like, try to figure out how to get them to go. Like, we need this done, and they the AMCs realize that there's various appraisal management companies out there. And so if they're not effective at helping get our reports done in a timely way, we'll use somebody else too. And it's interesting you bring up this cost. I saw a number of emails back from the AMC this week that said, we we can find someone who will do, you know, typical appraisals, 450 to 500 bucks. And we're getting emails back saying, we can find someone to do this for 675. Yeah. And then they try to say, oh, well, it's more remote. You know, it's in Shell Beach. (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay. Real remote. In well, an area of custom homes. Right. An area of coast. I mean, they have a view of the ocean, so obviously it's a more complicated appraisal. Right. Uh-huh. But anyways, we're seeing a number of these appraisal orders come back where they're basically saying, well, I'll do it, but it, it, you need to make it worth my while. Yeah. So there's a few different ways that that's handled. And point being, like, I mean, I wanted to talk about it a little bit on the show today, because if you're involved in a real estate transaction right now, just know. I mean, this is like one of the lanes closed on the 405. There's going to be traffic. If you're doing, (laughs) it just is. You just need to know that. And if you're going to be late to a meeting, you need to leave a little bit earlier. In this case with the appraisal thing, you can't really order it any earlier. So the only thing that you can plan on is arriving a little bit late. And so we're just telling people, and, and you know what? That's going back to how you manage that relationship with the listing agent and the seller and all these things. Um, that's a really big part of it, just ex- setting an appropriate expectation. I got a call yesterday from a good friend and client that said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm putting an offer. Can I get done in 30 days? Yeah, you can. And what I would suggest, though, is that you let people know that the appraisal is kind of the Achilles heel right now. 
if the appraisal takes two and a half weeks to get done and come in, that's not enough time to do a 30-day escrow. It's just not. Um, so what we'll do is order the appraisal as quick as we can and agree to pay a rush fee in the beginning to try to get some priority, you know, it's like, but again, it's just, it's one of those things where all you can really do is just communicate it well, but just know that if you're involved in a transaction right now, the appraisal is the slower part. Um, and it's not just here. I mean, I, Dan and I are telling you, um, as practitioners of this local market that it is here, but it's everywhere. This is the national association of realtors saying, that they think that now some um, these concerns need to be addressed at a bigger level. I've even heard now that they might attempt to come up with a plan that doesn't involve a supervisory appraiser for the thousands of hours required. So the idea hmm. would be that you could get an influx of new appraisers in to help if they don't have to go through that 2,000 hours. And it, then it's like, okay, great, now we're just lowering the bar. I've heard that it's a real problem getting people in for all these reasons we've talked about. The av and, and due to that difficulty in getting new blood into the appraisal industry, the average age of an appraiser is somewhere like around 55 years of age. Yeah. Well, and, and once you have this conversation for just a minute, um, the next one that comes up is commercial appraisal. And I don't know if you've seen too many of those, but they can be a small book. Mm-hmm. They are thousands of dollars depending on the complexity of the, the scope of work. Um, but uh, literally thousands of dollars, they can take months to complete. The average age of commercial appraisers right now is like in the late sixties. There's a, this, this is a real problem. So if you got a high schooler or a quest to college kid, that's sort of floundering on looking for a great profession to make some money and not quite sure where that opportunity lies today. Maybe look into getting uh, the appraiser certification and, and figuring this out. I know several appraisers, by the way, that now have become real estate agents. Like it's like you're involved in the housing industry and you're pretty good at it. Um, it it's not. It can be quite lucrative, but I think that the the real estate thing tends to lure people away from it too. But um, anyway, it's a it's a it's a kind of the. Remember 10 years ago, all the nurses were going to retire, so you should go to nursing school. Well, guess what? Everyone went to nursing school, and the nurses' 401ks got wiped out in the recession, so they're all working longer than they thought. And so now there's a lot of nurses around. So if you're a nurse looking for work, grab an appraiser license, water's warm, hop in. We need to do a commercial break, so we'll be out for a couple minutes, and we'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. 
Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So, that was fun talking about the appraisal stuff. That's always fun. Maybe not so fun if you aren't in the business and don't care too much. The Dow is still high up in the 18,000s. Is that surprising? I feel like it's a little surprising. 18,395 yesterday, which was after a 50-point loss. The 10-year bond yield snuck up a little bit, too, getting out of the 1.5 range. It closed yesterday at 1.63. Ooh. That's at the top end of that range that we've been in, the 1.3-ish to 1.65 yeah. So that'll be something to keep our eye on. I know there was a lot of chatter yesterday about some comments made by Janet Yellen. Yep. Janet Yellen was out talking and stirring the pot. Yeah. Let's see here. Yeah. Stocks ended mostly lower Friday after Fed Reserve officials said the case has strengthened for raising interest rates. In spite of a report on Friday that GDP for the uh, second quarter it was, was bumped up at 1.1%. 1.1. That's not very good. No. Um, yeah, and by the way, right now, so that we've we've long known September's the potential next rate hike meeting, right? And so Yellen comes out and gets herself in front of a microphone and a couple cameras to say... The case has strengthened. Is she going, hey, wink, wink, get ready. We're going to raise it. That's basically what the market thinks. Can I make it funny here? Yeah, please, please do. Janet Yellen quit yelling. (laughs) (laughs) She's. She doesn't yell that much. (laughs) Okay. In fact, I've never seen her yell. All right. I really actually. um, Oh, Dan's mic is just dead. There we go. go. What it failed. I don't know. <laughs> Something's stuck over here. I really we have new studios, but we don't have new equipment. So there it is. Let's put all the old stuff in a new room. Okay, now it's now it's working. All right. Yeah, we're good. Are. There it is. It's probably just got like a piece of Cheeto or something under there. Yeah, have you well, been eating Cheetos over the board again, Jim? Uh, you know, well, a piece of pie in here from yesterday from Dave's show. Yeah. You know, where's our pie, by the way? Do we have any pie? I didn't even know there was some? pie. Oh, Dave's show, they, they had pie on Fridays around here, man. I'm you think they'd leave a little, huh? I know. Come I'm on. done with pie. Eh. Taking a break again. Oh, I can never be done with I pie. Had, but anyway. I had two birthdays in the household this week. <laughs> too much okay. cake? Okay. Yeah. Right. Too much cake and ice cream? Right. Totally. My uh, <laughs> my wife had her birthday, and if, you know, and she does like cake, whatever. So I, we got a cake. We put candles in it saying happy birthday. And then I told everyone, you guys need to finish this entire cake. 
We had some people over. You eat this entire cake because tomorrow is my son's birthday, and we got to have another cake. And if there's leftover cake from this one, then we do another cake tomorrow. There'll be leftover cake from that. There'll yeah. be cake in the house for a week. And it so doesn't work that you can have the same cake for both birthdays. No. no. Somebody feels cheated about that. That's I've right. tried it. Yeah. Even if you got like a fancy Madonna cake, you know, for like 45 bucks. You better have a fancy Madonna cake for tomorrow. Well, I just thought you cut the thing in half and back it up against the half of the uh, box so that you don't see the cake guts. Uh, and we put candles in it and blow out the first half today. And then tomorrow we'll blow out the second half. But it's still seen as a recycled cake. So, and they're worth it. My wife and son, they're worth their own cakes. <laughs> yeah. They really are. Oh, okay. I'm glad they are. Yeah. So there's, so <laughs> there's like, cake at my house. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday when the kids got home from school, came out and said, hey, can I have a piece of cake? I was like, yeah, ordinarily, no, but yeah, have some cake. Get rid of it. Yeah, get it out of here. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. yeah. It's almost gone. There's like three pieces left. Yeah. Uh, what were we saying? <laughs> and somehow that was related to to Janet Yellen. Oh yeah, <laughs> Janet Yellen. Well, I was okay. Gonna tell you the numbers are good. The oh, bakers the sell pie, more the cake. Microphone. <laughs> mm. It was the pie and the the thing for your yeah. microphone yeah. button. Yeah, yeah. got right. it. A Cheeto uh, pie. Janet Yellen's actually. I enjoy listening to her speak. Really? You don't? No. I feel like she's such a good communicator. She has the worst. She's very monotone and the worst accent. Why do you mean worst? It's like a Boston type it's of accent. It's Chicago and it's bad. It's hard to listen to. I don't think so. Uh, it's nails on a chalkboard for you it huh? is it's yeah really? it's bad i have to turn it down real low i want to hear what she's saying but i don't want to hear huh. how she's saying it i will try to That's pay attention me. to that next time of course i've been aware of her um that sort of accent that she has but it's never bothered me before and i i feel like i enjoy the way she talks. And there's nothing wrong with being from Chicago. Yeah, I know. Just, you're just because <laughs> the Cubs, just because the Cubs are 38 games above 500 hey, or whatever it them. is, you're for them. Break now the all of a sudden you don't like the, the Cubs <laughs> and Chicago. And they can take their Fed chair too. There's just something about her delivery that's hard to take for me. Interesting. I'll have to, I'll, next time I watch, I'm going to have to pay attention to but that. But I do think content wise, I enjoy what she has to say more than uh, Bernanke, for instance. I thought he was terribly vague and I thought he always kind, kind of, of political. I thought he played a lot of games with the media. And yeah. Kind of like, you guys are dumb. I thought <laughs> he's so much smarter than you and I'm going to toy with you. Agreed. Right <laughs> Agreed. And, and the other thing too, and I just, I, this is one of the things I think that Janet's a little bit better about is she comes off as less smug when she gives you an answer totally. that basically shows you that you have no idea yeah. what you're talking no, I about. I agree. She explains things in a way that people can understand. And, uh, and I do enjoy that about her. So what were they saying? They they were saying that it does seem like the case for raising interest rates has strengthened, which is kind of like there's saying no, it just hasn't gotten worse. There's <laughs> no timetable right. for um, future rate increases. They um, cited the strengthening job market. Mm -hmm. Inflation and, heading in the right direction, heading towards that desired 2%. Um, and, and they said, as far as inflation goes, that really it's it's being depressed right now because of temporary factors. Yeah. So they don't think it's a long-term problem. It's just a short-term issue. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I mean, that was... But here's, here's 
this was a gentleman, this is an economist who has given his two cents on, on the testimony from Yellen, saying that the takeaways were that they're still looking for concrete evidence in a rebound in GDP, because GDP's GDP has been pretty bad, especially mm-hmm. compared to recent years. Recent years, we've seen some pretty poor winter quarters, you know, the fourth and first quarters last few years have been pretty bad, but the second and third quarters of the year have been strong, which gives the overall annual GDP number, you know, it's it's okay. It's around 2% or so. This year, the second quarter is not looking good. Um, so that they, they want to see a little bit more evidence of a GDP rebound. And then, you know, they want to continue to see that inflation move in the right direction. So those are the two things that the Fed are looking for. And they still believe, this economist at least, still believes December is the more likely time for a rating. So what was this? This was second reading of second quarter GDP. Uh, yes, I believe so. First, I, I went, I just pulled up first quarter GDP because I couldn't remember what Q1 was, but I'm like, are we confused? No, it was about a half a percent, right? Q1, they said GDP Q1 1.1% rather yeah. than the 0.8 reported the prior reading. So it was bumped up a little bit. Um, so that's the best first quarter in a few years. Yeah. By far, by about a percent. Oh, check this out. It just, I just happened across two. So quarter two of 14 was 4.6. Quarter yeah. three of 14 was 4.3. Quarter four was 2.1. So 4.6, 4.3, 2.1. Q1 of 15 was 0.6. Second quarter of 15 was 3.9, so a lot was made up for in, in quarter two. Probably saved 2015, honestly. Yeah, it's done it both yet, 14 and 15. Q3 was 2%, Q4 was 1.4. So given that those were, I mean, that Q4 was less than half of um, quarter two for 2015. So quarter two has been the shining star so we'll a couple years in a row. So we'll be watching close to what happens with quarter three and quarter four this year. If they're less than half of that number like they were last year, then we would have a problem. Yeah. yeah, so Q1, oh, interestingly enough, they contradict themselves right here, giving Q1 0.8%. Um, and That's then, what I thought it was. Yeah. And then the second quarter was revised from 0.8 to 1.1 or something like that. Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen told lawmakers last week that data pointed to a noticeable step up in GDP growth in the second quarter. Hmm. That was reported in June. So this article that I pull up from June, she was saying back then that there's a noticeable step up. Would you say that 0.8 to 1.1 is noticeable? That's not noticeable. Therefore, her (laughs) remarks yesterday should be like equally dismissible. It's to say, you thought it was really coming, now we learned it really wasn't, so we probably shouldn't worry that September holds a rate hike for us. I still agree that we are primed for another rate hike. You know, I mean, originally last year when they were talking about raising rates, they were talking about three to four rate hikes this year. We haven't seen a single one since last December. So I still think we're primed for a rate hike. I think, you know, we are on a road to recovery, Agreed. although it's a lot slower than we And I hoped. think December makes it a perfect time to sneak yeah, one in. I agree. I, I'm still believing that December's the time. We have a meeting here in late September. 
There's no meeting in October. There's a meeting in November and then one in December. So three meetings to go this year. I believe December will see a quarter point. And who knows how rates will react because last time they went down. Couple good jobs reports in a row. Yeah. I mean, really, as you look back, we've had about two straight years of really good jobs growth, except for a couple of months. Yeah. Which happened to be fairly recently or earlier this year, well, more springtime. Yeah, right. These last two are good. Mm -hmm. And so you got to say, by the way, I mean, it's right around the corner. Before the next airing of Mortgage Matters, we're going to have another jobs report. Today is yeah. already the, the last the final of August, August yeah. show, which is wild. So, yeah, we're going to get the first first Friday of September. So what are we talking? What's the date going to be? It's the second or something. Right? Yeah, the second. So we're going to get a jobs report on the second that we'll talk about next week on the third. Um, but what if there's another? This would be the third month in a row. If we had another number that was in the mid to high 200s. That's good. That'd be great. Um, can you imagine, though, the havoc on the market where we have three great months in a row? So right now, the September odds of September rate hike are at about 38% right now. And by the way, that was adjusted up several times recently. The closer we get, the higher it goes. And um, you know how it goes the week or two before oh, yeah. a Fed meeting. You get all kinds of guessing you know you get both get sides. your loan locked right now yeah. and if you don't have to lock right now go ahead and plan on waiting for about two and a half weeks until we get clear of that meeting where then we can um basically have no matter what happened the the anticipation is always greater than the deed mm -hmm. the market is building it in right now we're beginning to see these volatile things i predict now that we're going to see this 10-year run in the 1.6 range probably even find its way up into the 1.7 range in the days leading up to the meeting and then no matter what they do it's either going to start to fall gradually or come back down a little bit quicker but it's the same thing we keep seeing over and over again and then really after september the next rate hike option is going to be in december so we'll have some pretty smooth sailing i think for you know that the next couple months october and november and then we'll repeat this same cycle again where we sort of flinch our way up into the meeting worrying that if the feds actually raise rates that um you know it's going to cause the stock market to decline a little bit or whatever, if only temporarily. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I agree. But it's a great time, by the way. Um, in fact, this next week, if you're doing business or you're thinking about refinancing or you're in a purchase contract or something where you need to, to pull a trigger, um, it's probably a good time to go ahead and lock. We're going to see a couple weeks of increasing rates and volatility uh, I just, I, unless something else comes along that shows that that, you know, something else in the economy is wrong or is a threat. Um, and this jobs report, I suppose, will have a big, big to do over. If it's a, if it's a bad number, like sub 100,000, like those numbers we saw in the spring, that could be a pretty big indication that the feds, that would be their last jobs report to digest before meeting and making their decision if the number's really good that's going to spur on this you know sentiment that we're about to see a rate hike and in any case i just wish there was some way to remind everybody that hey 
It's a quarter of a point. And last time it didn't even do anything. So can we just be calm over it? The vol- market volatility for the loan officer is a stressful thing. Yesterday I talked with a client, got a loan application and placed a lock all in a very hurried fashion, you know, same day on a Friday, uh, primarily just because the the client was like, I really want to lock. These rates are very good and I'm not interested in, in looking forward and playing the game. Um, and I just said, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason why rates would come down next week. Um, I can think of all of the aforementioned reasons why rates would go up. So it's probably a great time to just hunker on in and do a lock. And, um, so yeah, I just want to remind you guys, if you're, if you're transacting business and, you know, whether it's a purchase or a refinance of some sort, uh, it's a good time to lock and and it's not locking a rate isn't even really a difficult task. I mean, there's critical information that we need to get from you, but then we can place a lock and then at least you've kind of got a hedge in the market where um, if things really went terribly bad, if you've locked your rate, of course, if you can get done during your rate lock period, those are the terms you get. Most every bank that we work with has some sort of an extension policy where if you don't make it, I mean, Going full circle, I guess. Let's say you do a 45-day lock and then the appraiser takes three weeks to do an appraisal for you. You just can't get through the whole thing during your time frame. There's always an ability to do a lock extension. Those things are pretty affordable. And then at the same time, if rates really fall out during that period, like let's say you lock and then the market improves dramatically. What do you do? Are you stuck? Um, Generally not. Yeah, most banks have a float down policy where you can take advantage of most of the market improvement. Usually there's just a they take a small fee for allowing you to float down one time. Um but it's a it's a great way to stay on course to close and still take advantage of market improvement. Yeah. The um you know, and then of course there's the other thing too, is that if there's ever a huge movement in the market or enough, um, if you're with a lender that has no option for you, one of the things you can do if you've got the time is jump ship and go to a new lender. You know, if you're, I always like to pick on the big banks because they're the ones that I think have the, most of their policies are crafted for themselves. You know, you're sort of a captive audience. If you're with a company like ours where most of the companies that we're working with are like wholesale lenders where they're they're sort of buying a package from us that's pretty pretty done they recognize that hey i i'm i'm sort of an aggregator of information and a person that's organizing this and they know that you're not you may be my captive audience but i'm not their captive audience i've got a list of investors that i might do this business with and so that being the case their their renegotiation policies are usually a little bit more favorable at the big banks they'll do something like okay if interest rates change to a point where i mean it's got to improve by a whole point in fee which is a lot of movement if it moves by an entire point then we'll give you half of it for a fee so they charge you something and then give you the kind of remaining half of what the improvement was with the big banks. That's, that's a pretty common policy. And it's, again, it's good for them. It's not good for you for 
other companies like us, there's a lot of different options. And you know what? If we can't get you into a satisfactory spot by doing the renegotiation of your lock, we can just move it and place a lock with another bank. Um, it, it's just a little bit easier. It's one of the one of several ways that we're a little bit more nimble. So, yeah, we'll look look forward to seeing what happens here. I hope for low volatility, but I think the stage is set for plenty of volatility leading into the jobs report, leading into the Fed's meeting. Wait and see what they have to say. Giving us the peace sign. Yeah, the peace sign or the two minute warning. Oh, however you want to call it. You know, I won't, <laughs> I've been key, I keep looking at my cell phone, and here's the problem yeah. with this: I'm looking at my cell phone for the time because uh, this right our clock atomic clock is not working today. On the wall is yeah. dead, dead. Right. And then when I pull up my phone to look for the time, mm-hmm. I'm getting sidetracked by the other things that are going on in my phone. <laughs> so just getting, allow me to give you a two minute warning. I'm getting emails and texts, <laughs> but see. I'm the kind of talker that needs more than two minutes to. to <laughs> oh, I, I realize it's like that. Changing the course. Yeah, boy, of a nobody super would have ever tanker, thought. You know, if you need to change your your super tanker heading a couple degrees west, you don't do that right now. It's gonna we're gonna turn the dial and it's gonna take a few minutes to watch it turn. So. One minute, Mister Grody. One minute. We're down <laughs> start, to one minute now. Beating on the counter. <laughs> oh man. One it, minute. There's plenty to talk about, by the way, in this next hour. Um, we've got some, Dan's got several news articles here that are looking primed and ready. I dare guess that some of it is housing related. Uh, there's some housing numbers for us to talk about. Um, let's see here. Oh, there's news about HARP. You remember HARP? 30 seconds. Surely you do. Oh, come on, Jim. Now, <laughs> this is too much now. <laughs> okay. There we go. Um, yeah. So there'll be plenty to hack out. And then, of course, if you guys want to call in and ask a question or share a comment about your favorite mortgage you ever had or something like that, we'll take it. So stick around after the short break here for more Mortgage Matters. We'll be back. This is 920 KVEC, San Luis Obispo, now an American General Media Station and the home of Rush Limbaugh, weekdays at 9. AP Radio News. I'm Sandy Cosell. Italians are observing a day of national mourning. As the state funeral was held for 35 of the 290 people killed in Wednesday's earthquake. Mourners, many of them injured, wept and held each other in a sweltering community gym as the local bishop urged them to rebuild their communities. Authorities in Mississippi don't anticipate any more arrests in the slaying of two nuns. 46-year-old Rodney Earl Sanders is charged with two counts of capital murder in the deaths of Sister Margaret Held and Sister Paula Merrill, who worked as nurse practitioners in a local health clinic. AP correspondent Emily Wagster-Pettis reports Authorities aren't commenting on a motive. Investigators have not disclosed whether he is believed to have known the two nuns who were killed. They have not given any information about whether he had been a patient of theirs or anything like that. There's been no release of information about a connection between him and the victims. One of the latest murder victims in Chicago is a cousin of NBA star Dwayne Wade. Nakia Aldridge was shot in the head and arm as she pushed her baby in a stroller. 
She was not believed to be the intended target as two men fired at a third. Dwayne Wade's mother is Pastor Jolinda Wade. We're still going to try to help these people to transform their minds and give them a different direction so this thing won't keep happening. Sound courtesy WLS-TV, suspects are still being sought. Hillary Clinton received her first national security briefing today as the Democratic presidential nominee. She met with intelligence officials for an overview of the major threats facing the nation around the globe. Republican Donald Trump is campaigning in Iowa, headlining Republican Senator Joni Ernst's annual Road and Ride, rather Roast and Ride fundraiser at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. This is AP Radio News. At the Oregon State Fair, living marijuana plants are on display. Organizers say it's the first state fair in the nation to allow cannabis for public viewing. Donald Morris with the Oregon Cannabis Business Council says that's a good thing. We feel that uh, this is perhaps the first opportunity that many Oregonians have ever had to see a live plant. And in doing all this, we hope to uh, destigmatize uh, cannabis as a whole. Oregonians voted to legalize marijuana in 2014. President Obama is using his weekly radio address to push Congress to approve funding to fight the Zika virus. They said no. Instead, we were forced to use resources we need to keep fighting Ebola, cancer, and other diseases. We took that step because we have a responsibility to protect the American people, but that's not a sustainable solution. The FDA has ordered all U.S. blood banks to start screening for the Zika virus. I'm Sandy Kozell, AP Radio News. After five years of drought and with millions of dead trees, wildfires in California are burning hotter, faster, and more unpredictably. Be ready now. Get set by ensuring you know what to take and where to go if you have to evacuate. And when a wildfire does strike in your area, go early for the safety of you and your family and so firefighters can do their job. Remember, ready, set, go. Learn more from Cal Fire at readyforwildfire.org. When it's time for a mammogram, you have a choice. You should choose a mammogram with the lowest amount of radiation possible, the highest resolution image for better detection, and step and shoot technology to eliminate image blurring. You should also choose tomosynthesis, which yields fewer false positives than standard mammography. So choose the best mammogram available. The 3D mammogram at French Hospital's San Luis Diagnostic Center. Hi, I'm Dr. Kristen Kiley. I'm so pleased to announce that French Hospital's San Luis Diagnostic Center now has the latest in 3D mammogram equipment available. Our machine, compared to others, uses up to half the radiation dose. It also has the highest resolution 3D detector, providing better lesion detection and fewer false positives. Putting this all together makes the new 3D mammogram at San Luis Diagnostic Center a better choice for your next mammogram. So, if it's time for your next mammogram, choose the best. Choose French Hospital's San Luis Diagnostic Center. Call 5429. That's 542-9700. And make your appointment today. San Luis Diagnostic Center, where we go beyond imaging. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Lucy, I'm home. Where are you, honey? I'm out. 
out here, Ricky, helping with the great crush season for United Staffing Associates. Oh, no, Lucy, not again. You're barefoot in a tub stomping on grapes. No, I'm not. I'm crushing grapes. Oh, no. <laughs> Lucy, what have I told you? You crush with your feet, not with your behind. <laughs> oh, Ricky. United Staffing Associates specializes in wine and vineyard staffing, and they're hiring immediately for the grape crush season for wineries in Santa Maria Valley and Slow County. Positions needed include bottlers, forklift drivers, lab technicians, and experienced cellar workers to assist with harvest in various areas of operation. Duties include push-down, pump-overs, cleaning tanks, and adding chemicals. Must be able to stand for long periods of time in a cold, damp environment, be able to lift 40-plus pounds, and have the ability to work overtime when required. Call USA for these winery jobs today at 369-0009 or log on to unitedwestaff.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Simon to get us back. That's a hard song to interrupt, Jim. I love the Chevy Chase thing in this video, man. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Dan's watching it. It's like Chevy's is dead, dead on with it, man. I love Paul Simon. Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel both. Yeah. Great Might music. have to do some Simon Garfunkel in the next break. <coughs> you All can right. call me Al. Yeah, it's a great song. I had no idea that's what that song was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we blew the 30 seconds right out of the water. So <laughs> I don't think Paul's listening. No. <laughs> Clever. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. Dan just yeah, loves it. I, I, I think we can come I back do. from any break with that song. Yeah, it's right. pretty. It's pretty high energy. Right. Well, that's was this show was higher. High, if I could speak, high energy. I like to think so. Yeah, there it is. Well, I feel like we should get some phone calls today. It'd be nice to have some phone calls. Yeah, it's cool. I think we're having a great show. I think we're talking about <laughs> we're some good a great stuff. show. And. Uh, you know, why interrupt the magic that's happening? <laughs> I mean, if you want to call, we'll definitely take your call. We, we would like love to have your calls. We love hearing you. Yeah, 543. I'm asking for phone calls, and Dan's basically like, we don't yeah. need them. Yeah, shut it down, Dan. I'm not shutting like, it down. I'm just saying, I'm <laughs> I'm just putting myself in the the mind of the listener, and they're just they're probably just... They're mesmerized. The edge of the seat. Oh my gosh. What are they going to say next? Uh, I mean, that's what I'd be doing. They're on the edge of their seat, yeah. But yeah. if you want to participate today, you can call us at 543 8830. Mm -hmm. And the phones are working. The phones are working. 
There it is. And Jim loves answering this I phone. have to have something to do on this side. <laughs> I think we should come up for a name, uh, come up with a name for our listeners. Oh, like Seattle Seahawks call their fans the 12s. Mm, yeah, hey, 12, that'd yeah, be cool. Yeah, yeah, the 12s. The mortgageites. I was thinking, it's funny that you went football uh, because I guess football season is coming now. It I is. I mean, it's upon us. Yeah. Because I was thinking like the Cheeseheads, right? That's like a our our Packers guy. And then you got... Um, the parrot heads is like the what's the dude? You Jimmy know Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, His fans yeah. are called the parrot heads. Yeah. The dead heads. The dead heads. Dead. Yeah. Right so we yeah. need like uh, the mortgage something or others. Let's see. Yeah. We'll think, think about, about it. it. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> the loners. Oh no, I mean, no, that's that's kind of bad. It's a good, yeah, good yeah, version. But it's yeah. yeah. One of these guys Something I went to high happy. school with, I um, and I just sort of knew of this guy. Yeah. In <laughs> in my town, Big Bear is a really small town, so it's you pretty much know everybody. So I knew of this guy. Anyways, he reached out to me on Facebook a, a year or so ago um, that he's doing home loans. Was like, oh man, we should hook up and talk shop. And so, like, yeah, you know, I always enjoy that. Mm-hmm. He's called the Lone Ranger. I've seen that a lot. A lot of the, I've seen a lot of people that go with the Lone Arranger. There you go. <laughs> it looks like he he's like on his business card. He's like standing bow legged, like he just got off a horse, and his hands yeah. are like reaching over the pistols, and he's got quick like draw. chaps on, yeah, and the quick draw mm-hmm. way, and it's like the Lone Ranger. And then it says, I mean, it doesn't have that accent, but that's the way I read it. And it's like the deputy badge mm-hmm. that says Lone Ranger. Sounds like we got a couple ideas for beds coming back. Either Simon and Garfunkel or the Lone Ranger. It's pretty clever. There it is. I like it. There's another one, too. There's another lender in town. Um, oh, whose name escapes me, but he's the most flexible lender. <laughs> he, like, does yoga. And then on his business card, there's, like, a yoga pose. Who is that? It's one of the guys that's at the mortgage house and then somewhere else and then somewhere else and then the mortgage house. Anyway, from the business card, it's like, oh, that's that's really, um, that's clever. Like, because, you know, you got to have some marketing twist, right? I don't have a marketing twist. I just am realizing this right now. Just do, you're just great at loans, so you don't need a marketing twist. There's a realtor at Patterson that's like the realtor in the little black dress or something, and then she wears a little black dress all the time, and that's what it says on her card and stuff. Hmm. I don't have any of that. I'm just like a boring, like, we need to come up with something. Yeah. A name for the people that listen to the show, and then I need I need a clever marketing gimmick. You do? Wow. Well, how about all those Jasonisms? Such as? Well, the porch, uh, sweeping the porch. Yeah, something and, about being a good neighbor. Yeah, being a good neighbor. Porch. You know, somehow, you know, incorporating those. That'd be cool. Yeah. Every, every time you guys draw back <laughs> off of these, I can't help but feel like you're just jealous. Uh-huh. It's, it's some kind of J-word. <laughs> Joking. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple others that we can't really <laughs> like, say on the radio either. But anyway. like jealousy to me. <laughs> And what's that, Jim? What's that? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it is something. I, I don't know who said it, but if we each <laughs> sweep our own porch, soon the whole village is clean. That's yeah. a that's a good adage or whatever. That's those the old owner. I wish I still had that sound. Isn't bite. it? That's, 
It's true. <laughs> I yeah. I like it when my neighbor's I mean, porches are swept. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sort of like the motor mouths, guys. I tuned in for a split second when you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh. Jeff was talking about how if people drove their car like they knew they were in control of a deadly weapon at all times. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't be eating a burrito while texting, yeah. and we'd have less crashes and problems. Possibly, yeah. Same kind of thing. Yeah, there you go. So Right? Yeah. I guess you're right. I am right. Okay. You are right. Ask my wife. I'm always right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> She'll tell you. Shoes. Yeah. I already got tons of, uh, tons of emails from Melanie about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, I I mean, I teased this before the break, so I might as well run through it real quick. Remember Harp? I do. Yeah, Harp and Hamp, those were out there. Yeah. Home Affordable Refinance Program. That's right. Harp was one of the programs that came out. I think it was basically part of the TARP program, right? Yes. And the idea was if you were on time with your mortgage but unable to refinance into a lower rate or better, you know, fixed product due to your equity or lack thereof. Or debt-to-income ratio. That's right, debt-to-income ratio as well. Um, And your loan was owned by Fannie or Freddie, then there was this opportunity to refi into that program. How long has it been since we've done a HARP loan? It's been a long time, but I think we closed one recently, and I talked to someone this week about one. Their I did home too. was harp eligible. I talked to somebody this week about a harp loan. And then I also was helping one of our loan officers about helping a client who had a loan modification under HAMP, right? Wow. <laughs> Which was part of the same deal. That was yeah. the home affordable, affordable modification right. program. So these people were wanting to refinance today into a new loan. Um, but they had like a, a sort of weird silent second because of a modification that was done. Uh, yeah, it took a lender basically took a $400,000 loan and said that these people based on their new reduced income could afford a $300,000 loan. So they basically gave them a $300,000 chunk to service and then tossed a second hundred thousand dollars on there. That wasn't requiring payment, but was on title and sort of just waiting. So that if equity came back, they could recover their full. Without having written it off. Gotcha. Right? So if the, uh, yeah, and so basically the rules to the, the Fannie rules are basically if you're two years into your modification and performing well, then you can do another loan. So um we're we're working on that for these people. Cool. Um, Where's the property located? I'm always curious where people still are needing that so this isn't even this isn't even so this one is trying to work out a modified loan they have 20 percent equity now um the the person that i was speaking to their property was in bakersfield okay and it was a lower lower valued property i want to say it was like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar property or something i call that a lower value just because i'm used to the craziness around here right it's like, what is that? A three hundred square foot house? That's crazy. Is that a lot? That's three hundred square feet in Morro Bay. We had a listener call in and suggest a name for the listeners oh, of the show, and yeah. I kept, I tried to get him to go on the air, but he didn't want to go on what there. Is it? So, well, it's kind of a play on the Deadheads. Okay, call them the Matterheads. 
The Matterheads. 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 Oh, the M&M's. Huh? M&M's. There it is. Mortgage Matters. M&M's. No, it was yeah. good. No, it was good. I like oh, the Matterheads. The Matterheads. Yeah, right. kind of playing the Deadheads. Those are good. Kind of reminds me of the, the Matterhorn, though. Mm, yeah, well, you know. What's bad about that? I, that's my favorite ride Iconic at ride at yeah. Disneyland. Iconic yeah. show on KVEC. Mm-hmm. Right? The M&M's. We there should get is. some shirts made, and then we'll, we'll give shirts to the callers. Oh, there that you go. That would be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Or some of those spiffy baseball caps We'll or work on that. You know we have a gal that's like full-time marketing for us. I realize. I that's deal, where we I, get. I talk to her. Well, you, that's right. So we get, <laughs> you know, right. we got some hats. We uh, got some shirts. We uh, got, by the way, did you ever bring Jim a hat? No. You haven't told me your hat size. Um... Probably. Well, it depends. Are those it's adjustable? Big. Yeah. No, these are fixed. Here. Just okay. fixed. All right. Let me try it. Oh, just wow. Tell I me get, if this is. I got to try on Dan's hat. Does this fit? Okay. I'm trying on Dan's it, hat. I predicted uh, no, too it's small. Too small. Okay. So right. probably. What, is, like, what size is this? That's a seven and a quarter. Probably a seven and three quarters. Three quarters? Yeah. Or oh, my goodness. Here. Okay. Yeah. Because it's a little. What do you wear? This hat. Okay, right. well, now half, I got to try right? on Jason's hat. Is this that is it? This is a seven and a half. All right, Jim. I'm trying out Jason's hat. This is right fantastic now. radio, by the way, right now. Yeah. Oh, seven oh, and now, a half. But now is it's a little too, too little too big. I'm All kind right. of in between. That's I'll a bring big you seven and a half. A seven and three eighths and a seven and a half. And see, there it is. All right, there get we go. Do you ever, do you guys use. I just didn't want to bring the whole box up those stairs, you know? I got it. You're good now. Um, you can tell Siri yeah. that next Saturday, before you drive to slow, to remind <laughs> you to grab a hat for Jim, and as you pull out of your driveway, Siri yeah. will know your location and suggest that you're about to go based on your habits and what? Yeah, and I remind know, you then. Crazy. Yeah. Sing's freaky, by the way, the phones. I had another just bad phone experience this week where something way too weird to be coincidental I was talking about with a friend and all of a sudden the stupid thing starts advertising to me because it's listening. I swear to you. Wow. iPhones are listening to your conversations now. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. They are. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. could be the devil. Mm -hmm. The phones do way too much stuff. It's a clever disguise for the devil. You yeah. know those Samsung TVs? They have the remotes that you can talk to. Right. They do the same thing. You have to authorize that's it to not be able to okay. listen to you. Well, and no, it will that's learn. not okay. Even though, you know, remember like when Obama was like first elected and he was the big thing about the phone. He he was always, you know, liking to have his BlackBerry uh-huh. with him, at, at you know, when they were big. Probably a security breach. Yeah. And it's like the Secret Service was scared about that because it is so... Like the first president is big into having his BlackBerry with him. Well, the the Secret Service didn't want him to be able to know where people to know where he's at all the time. Uh, Sounds hackable, right? And it was like a big thing to yeah get rid of him. Hmm. You know, I get rid of it. You know, and uh, it's a security breach. Huh? It's crazy. All right, we got off track. I wanted to tell you about Harp. Okay, we started this crazy train a while ago. The HARP program got extended again. Oh, really? Yeah, it just got extended. Um, This is now the final extension. Going to run us through September 30th of 2017. One more year? One more year. So, 
I, I first wanted to joke that this program is like so unusable because nobody can take advantage of it anymore, but it's not true. I want to um, just run back through it real quick because I don't doubt there are people that are listening that probably don't know that this help is out there because we don't say it enough. And then it's not something that people research or know how to research. So they just don't know. If you guys have tried to refi and you can't because of a limited value, I'll tell you how this happens, by the way. Remember earlier when we were talking about appraisals getting pushed? Mm -hmm. You did like a high cash out refi in 2006 or five or seven or seven. (laughs) Based on a pushed appraisal mm-hmm. that might have been 10 or 20% over market value then anyway. And then you took a bunch of cash out and now you found yourself in the spot where the market just pulled the rug out from under you and all of a sudden you owed way more than your home is worth. Those are the people that are on the tail end of coming back to where the market was. So there's a possibility that you might have tried to refi recently and been unable to because of an appraised value. If that were the case, I mean, gosh, I hope that the whatever loan officer you were working with, wherever they were, knew that these HARP <coughs> programs exist and are around. But this is your opportunity to refinance regardless of your loan to value. So even if you owe one and a half times what your property's worth, this is the program that allows you to refi. And by the way, not all lenders offer it because it's... It's a little bit risky, right? What's that you say? You have a $400,000 house? Sure, I'll loan you 500000 on it. Not a lot of people around wanting to do that. So some of the banks that did them, will they'd go along with you if you owed 105% of your home's value, but no more. Uh, we have banks that will do it regardless of your loan to value. Um, and so then October of 2017, this is what's going to happen next year when... HARP is no longer extendable. Um, They're going to be creating new options within Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that allow for um, a lender, basically a same lender refi. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because even if you were with IndyMac, right? You remember IndyMac? They were a big deal back in the day. They had a lot of business. The, The IndyMac actually had banks where you could go in and have banking, you know, functionality done, checking and savings. So if IndyMac tanked, your loan got assigned to, I think it was One West Bank, wasn't it? Yeah. But Wachovia got assigned to Wells. There was all these different... So no matter what happened, the bank that you were with tanked and you got assigned to somebody else, most of the time those lenders are still originating. So what they're going to do now is basically just, if you can't get this done as a HARP loan today, after... Um, September of 2017, what they're going to do is just have a same lender refi program for you. So you'd go right back to your servicer for the refi. Uh, and then that way, borrowers that are making their payments but are constrained by a lack of equity or just an a upside-down equity um, would still be able to benefit from a lower interest rate. So, um, And additionally, tell me how you feel about this, but... They're not going to have a date on those. So I almost <laughs> feel like it's paving the way for the next go round. If you are, if they're dateless, well, so let's say that home values do decline. and Or it's 
for regional, um, you know, housing depressions. Like, like for instance, you know, we've heard a lot about the oil industry really harming the economy in the where South Dakota, parts of Texas, New Mexico, Taft. Yeah, the Taft area. That's what I was thinking. Bakersfield, Taft area. Oh, there's there's a lot of oil jobs. Absolutely. I mean, that's got to be affecting the housing market too. So if you have that kind of regional. Um, housing depression where values are trying to climb because the economy just in that one region isn't doing well, this can provide a solution going forward, something that doesn't require The only thing action. I don't love about it is then it's it creates a captive audience type of thing where you now you could only do it with your servicer, which basically means that, you know, let's say your servicer is Bank of, I don't know what, Bank of America. Let's pick on them. They may offer this program for you, but what if they do so with an unusually high margin? So they just want to make a ton of money on it. That was kind of the problem with TARP when it first happened was you could only do the HARP refi one time. If you It was a one and done. If you did it once and you did it too early when rates were still high or the company that you did it with gave you a four and a half where everybody else was doing 3.75, that was it. You're done. You did it. You got. You had one shot at it, and you did it, and now you're stuck. So I don't love that when you put it with just one bank. Now there's no. Now there's no no um, shopping, no ability to yeah. shop or anything. I mean, it, that's a big push no competition. Too, yeah. So I feel like I don't know if we chase this thing all the way to the to its roots. Some of these big banks are probably in the pocket of Fannie and Freddie. You know. I'm I'm a skeptic when it comes to that. I know these politicians are bought by the Wall Street banks that we compete with, and I can't afford to buy a politician. So, would you, if you could, B- buy a politician? Yeah, like if you could give Hillary like forty million dollars just so that every time you ever needed something, she just waved her wand at you. I'm not excited about giving anyone forty million. I'm going to give myself forty million dollars if I've got. But if that. you give Hillary forty million, she probably gets you back. Like, a lot of your own problems. She yeah, probably gets right. you back like sixty. Then I don't need a politician if I've got forty million bucks. <laughs> Why do these big banks give the candidates the kind of money they give them though, for special interest favor type stuff like policy, this? Duh. Hey, when you do tarp next time, listen. <laughs> Jason here with Bank of America. I want to have a captive audience on that. So as you let it sunset in a year or so from now, just make sure that if they're going to do it after that, they have to do it with me. Ka-ching. You know that's what happened. Somebody's uncle threw that bone to their nephew or something. <laughs> I like that idea, by the way, of like politicians and Congress men and women having to wear like a NASCAR jacket with their sponsors on it. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever seen or heard of that? That's funny though. So then you'd have to like, when Hillary came up or whoever came up to like take the podium, it'd be like, She's got her Goldman that Sachs Wells jacket. Fargo stamp is pretty big. <laughs> and what are you That's doing funny. with McDonald's? Why is McDonald's giving you money? I mean, I just love their fries. Oh, no, it's because they're going <laughs> to repeal some of that supersized stuff that happened in New York or whatever. Yeah, bring back the 64-ounce soda. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss that 64-ounce soda. In case you want to go for a swim before you have your diabetes. All right, let's take a commercial break. We'll try to get this train back on track. Take some time here to thank uh, sponsors. So stick around for more Mortgage Matters. 
Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 01839608. NMLS number 328358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Saints, yeah, that's awesome. This is a favorite. Oh, Dan liked it. Yeah, yeah, I, like I think this. I have a live album where the drum intros goes on forever. Does it really? Yeah, yeah. This is probably edit. This is awesome. Hmm. Anyway, on with mortgages. Yeah, <laughs> there was some housing data out this week that we should probably talk about. What we have? We had some new home sales numbers that looked pretty promising. Hey, wait. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. My microphone's not very good. <laughs> Pull three over in front of it. This is what Dan doesn't like. Yeah. I will be happy to take your questions. That doesn't sound like a Chicago accent. You're only listen to it for about an hour and okay. tell me how you feel. Yeah, I was, I was trying to find something. I'll try to find something up here. I found one. It was like the second, uh, oh. the second one I clicked. You could find one. Okay. Housing data. Oh man, I just pulled up housing data myself. Cool. Were New you, home sales. That's you, what I was looking at. 
Oh, man, this fits in great with our conversation last week. Remember last week? Well, actually, I guess we talked about this more than just last week. The pace at which we need to be building homes to dig ourselves out of this demand crisis that we have. And we've said the number is somewhere between one and a half and two million homes a year, depending on how aggressive you want to be with your number or not. So real quick, I'll, I'll do just the quick and dirty math for you. Um, what did we decide now? We're like, we're approaching 10 years from the recession. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just, let's say that we think that a million and a half to 2 million homes a year is a ridiculous pace. Totally unrealistic. Let's undercut that by, let's just call it a million. We need to build a million homes a year. And this is, by the way, this should please anybody that's trying to to take down my math because I'm going so conservative here. A million homes a year for 10 years. Got a calculator, Jim? What's a million times 10? A lot. Ten, ten, It'd be ten million, ten million, ten million. There it is. You know, basic math here, Jim. Basic math. I almost, I almost stopped him, but it's because he was like clicking I'm trying, and reading I'm trying to find, something else. And I'm trying to find Janet Yellen's. So yeah, I'm trying yeah. to find Janet Yellen actually. Ten speaking. million is the answer. Okay, so you needed. So basically, what what that suggests is over this ten year period, you needed ten million homes. And by the way, right. if we said it's a million and a half, that would be fifteen million homes. And if we said it's two million homes a year, that would be twenty million homes. So, for sake of the spectrum of the argument here, we need between 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 <laughs> ten and twenty million homes to be built in the last decade. Last month was the best month we've had during that entire period. Came in at such a hater. What do you mean? Jeez. I'm trying to help you understand why real estate values are going to get a continue to go through the roof and you're yeah, going to I agree. I agree. So you, you just tell set me that why. up in the most negative way possible. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you got me all wrong here. It's not negative at all. So, look, it was our strongest ye- uh, month of new home sales since October of 2007. Yep. I'm waiting. How many it's it got to be a, like a million and a half, right? Two million point four percent increase. I'll bet it's two and a half million because that way we're going to catch up, right? Because yeah. we're miss, since we're missing ten to twenty million homes, we got to build above the pace to try to backfill the void, to- right? So you're wanting you're wanting above normal sales growth because you're you're giving us the catch up number. I mean, I'm but just the, but the maintained status quo number, I believe, is somewhere around a million. Yeah, I want to say like eight hundred thousand to a million. So, yeah, it wasn't that good. It was at 654,000 seasonally adjusted rate of annual units. So we're 654,000, but it's the best pace in So we're still below the amount needed just for this year, let alone to backfill. Hey, you know what? GDP is not great either. Yeah, I agree. It's not US where we want it to be. Homes built Here, in hey, glass is half full. Let me give you a couple couple positives. Construction companies have added two hundred and fifteen thousand jobs over the past twelve months. Over the same period, the last twelve months, 
Sales have risen 3.5% at building materials stores and 4.3% at furnishing stores. Oh, good. So look at that. There are some good things happening. Yes, we're not at the level that's going to allow us to catch up um, you know, in the next five or ten year period, but we're on the right track, and uh, and there's room to grow. There's more room to grow. That's good. I agree. Um, I I really only wanted to make and reemphasize the point that this here, of all of the things we could discuss about why our market is not currently a bubble, um, the fact that we're missing that kind of housing stock nationally. Totally agree. Means that we have a long time of catching up. And in the interim, it puts so much upward pressure on home values that this is what's happening today. These homes aren't appreciating every single month because the economy is amazing. They're appreciating every single month because people are fighting each other to buy them because of the scarcity of available housing. That's why. And the new housing supply has gone has gotten worse in the last year you know the months of supply number that we kind of focus on a normal market we're seeing three to six months supply Uh uh-huh um we're at just 4.3 months supply of new homes available today on the market which is down from 5.2 months of supply a year ago that's not helping so in spite of home sales jumping construction jobs being added building materials stores seeing upticks in sales we're still falling short of what we need to build to keep up with demand so yeah we have room to grow we are seeing it pick up but just not as fast as as we need right now to catch up yeah I was trying to find a quick a quick little reference point here to tell you about oh January of two thousand six. Guess what the housing starts number was? I have no idea. Two point seven three million. Wow. And then um guess what it was? Oh oh low point. You're so hard to get to. Four hundred yeah, and then it's been like four hundred and seventy eight thousand ish it's going back up i mean we're heading in the right direction and i don't know that the 2006 benchmark is what we should be shooting for when it comes to housing anything no we had another the the other deepest trough that i can find is in january of 1991 and at that period of 1991 and by the way this is the bottom of the v so the peak here was set in 2.2 2.2 million again in 1984. Okay. Wow. And then basically start into the valley, uh, the the valley of decline. We get all the way into the bottom of the V. That lowest point right there is 1991, February of 91. Um, 965,000 units wow. started right there. Wow. And then you start working your way up. Like the first kind of point of correction happens in 94 where we're at 1.5 million. And then it does some small down to the 1.2 before it works its way back up to 1.7 in December of 98. Then it starts to fall again September 2000 at 1.5 million before it, it continues the the pretty good incline all the way up to there to find that next highest mark. 
The biggest mark on record, by the way, and this is surprising to even me, almost two and a half million in October of 72. Wow. Yeah. And um, going back into like 69 was another trough at a million. So when you look at this sort of historically, I mean, granted, I'm describing a graph to you guys that's hard to picture over the radio, but... Historically, the point is, when you look at this, especially visually depicted, it's crisis level low, and it has been. And I'll tell you one of the things that's different today than 1979 and 1984 and and 2000 and all these numbers. There's more people? There's more people. There is technology. Um, the type of labor and these kind of information, everything has changed so much since then. But the other thing that you just can't deny is that today we've more environmental regulation and taxes, land constraints than ever before. You know, we built a lot of the usable land and one could argue we didn't use it that wisely. <laughs> you know, we, we sort of like sprawled out and built it everywhere, connected it all by freeways. And now we're trying to figure out how we correct some of that and go back and infill it and develop it. But so point being, this month was the best month since the recession started. It was in the grand picture. It's about a third probably of what we needed just to break even. So we'll look for that number to continue to improve. And, you know, I, I, I know I've said this for years here on the show, but as a son of a builder, I know what it means when um, a house is built. You know what kind of jobs that creates? Like you, you just cited some of them a minute ago. But a new house, whether it's purchasing brand new construction or a new resale, um, what's it lead to? Electricians are at work. Carpet guys are at work. Interior designers are at work. Home Depot's selling light fixtures. I mean, we're we're talking. It's, there's so much. You employ an appraiser, an escrow person, a, an irrigation guy. We got just it's so much of our economy spins right around that housing component. That right now the big challenge is figuring out how to build affordable housing. Like I said, in the eye of one of the most regulatory and tax constraining type of setups where you, you know, and water too. Let's not, let's not ignore water. I mean, we have a lot of building constraints and that's why I said, even if you just blew the top off it and said, Hey, building permits are free. I know this can't work because part of building puts schools and fire stations and things that we need sewers and stuff like this. But we just said, Hey, building permits are free. Come and get them. We don't have the ability to build 2 million homes annually, you know, for a decade in a row anywhere around here. So where is it all going to go? The answer is that it's not all going to go. We're going to keep on this cycle of um, it's going to take probably a generation to solve some of this problem. And I suspect part of the change will come with a change in the type of housing. We're going to see more high-density developments. We're going to see more tall buildings that have multi-floors in them. We're going to see more, you know... I, the mixed-use stuff yeah, that we're seeing where there's totally. commercial and retail on yeah, the bottom. Yeah, retail, bottom, commercial, second, you know, then residential up above that. Um, when was the last time you saw... I mean, and you're just a, a California dude, so it's going to take some scratching of the brain here, but 
where was the last place you saw a 200 plus unit apartment building built? Only big cities. They ain't around here. So those are the kind of things that that have to come about. And by the way, that's how you create some more affordable housing. It's not necessarily good for increasing home ownership because those are tenants at large, but um, that can be that transitional housing. Well, and that's not a bad thing either, given, you know, we've talked a lot about rents and how they've oh, gone man. up. And, you know, well, they're just going to of... chase these home values. Yeah. So that's the bottom line. Yeah. So... Yeah. <sighs> Let's talk about existing home sales because that number came out this this week also, mm-hmm. and shockingly, it was going in the wrong direction. Sales of existing homes fell three point two percent last month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of five point three nine million, down from five point five seven million. Yeah, well, let's talk about why. <laughs> Lack of supply. I gotta say, I'm I'm kind of in this boat, as you well know. I like I I peruse the listings, and I'm looking for an opportunity. I'd love to be able to um, get a a different house. I'd love it to be in my same town, so that my kids could stay at their same schools and everything. But I'm I'm looking for a house where I can have one more bedroom. Building a bedroom at my house is an option, but um, ah, living in the construction zone and dealing and all that. I just I I don't feel like I want to add that chaos to my life right now that already feels very hectic. I'd love to buy another house. I cannot find a house. Um so I've no confidence whatsoever that if I listed my house tomorrow that I'm going to find a suitable replacement. So guess what? You're not moving. My not house listing. is not for sale. <laughs> yeah. So how many people are that way where you can't become one of the existing home sale numbers because you have no confidence, literally no confidence in your ability to find a suitable replacement. So I can't risk that. You know, this is real life, man. Uh, All my stuff's in my house. My family lives in my house and it's in the neighborhood where my kids go to school. All these things. I can't risk that. So I have no choice but to stay put. This is why existing home sales are down. And can't deny the fact that homes have gotten more expensive over the last few years, which means when you buy a new home, Taxes are going to go up. The property taxes are going to be higher on a a new home. Well, and then the replacement costs of the structure itself, because with that greater price tag comes a greater insurability, as Mm -hmm. crazy as that all sounds, that's part of it. Um, So yeah, you go in and you add all that up. Not to mention, here's another one of my problems, and and I don't doubt that I'm different than many people, because I kind of live in, you know, the median value home. Um... That move up home for me crosses the threshold. I got to borrow a like jumbo loan amount. Or you got to come up with a down payment, big down payment. And a jumbo loan amount. And I got to borrow more at a higher rate of interest and all and and pay higher taxes and higher insurance. And all of a sudden I'm like, mm, I, want, I really want that bedroom. I don't want that bedroom for two grand a month. And mm-hmm. those are those are the real life numbers for me, by the way. The houses I see that are suitable where I'm like, I'd do that. I get done with the math and I'm like, I guess we're pretty happy where we are. I'm not going to go double my house payment to get one more bedroom. So it pushes me back to this idea of, well, maybe I do um, an addition to my home, which by the way, like I said, that's not an easy thing to do. You're you got to live in a construction zone and just getting through the logistics of going through planning and how are you going to pay for it? And are you sure you're going to be able to get, 
you know, fixed rate financing at the end of all that. Because what if the economy turns in the year that you go get your little construction piece and now it's next year, it's like, oh, dude, now values somehow did decline. None of us thought so. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in an election year. There's all this stuff feels all freaky. So in the end, what happens? We don't do anything. And we become one of these numbers that shows that existing home sales are not great. But part of that report, though, you said of existing home sales stumbling a little bit for the month of July. You know what part of that report did not stumble? The 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 value of the homes. (laughs) Median price is up 5.3% nationally from a year ago. July to July, we're up another 5%. This is another, and by the way, not to incite um, another big round of buyer fury, but if you don't own a house, this is a great reason to go own one. if you weren't listening already, there's a shortage. It's a crisis. Um, so if you can get one, you'll be part of the people that are gaining wealth based on owning a house. Um, the scarcity of these homes have these things going up. Like you said, it's a the pace is down, but the price is up 5.3% year over year. That's pretty good. Almost scary good. Inventories of existing homes have fallen on a year-over-year basis for the last 14 months in a row. Yeah. Well, you remember five years ago, you couldn't even give these houses away. <laughs> they weren't even selling for, like, if you added up the scrap value of the lumber. What else do we have? We had the FHFA house price index. Part of that existing home sales number, by the way. First-time home buyers. Small. Thirty-two percent for the month of July. Um, oh, that was thirty. That's not too it bad. was thirty-three percent in June. It was twenty-eight percent a year ago. That's good. So year over year, we have more first-time homebuyers making it into the market. So all that griping you want about oh, people can't afford these homes. Uh, actually, there's a fair amount of people that have never owned a home before still getting into the market. In fact, there's more than there was last That's year. That's good. That's surprising. And these homes are worth five percent more. Um, and then additionally. Um, First-time homebuyers represented a third of the entire market in 2015. So we're up in total now, more first-time homebuyers. And I love pointing this one out, by the way, of this 10-year recession housing crisis thing that's been going on. The kids that were graduating high school 10 years ago literally are like lawyers and doctors and stuff. Trying today. To buy Think about that. Yeah. Those are some of these first-time homebuyers. So, um, you know, so you wonder who can afford it, how can we afford it, what about the millennials that are never going to get to get in? Folks, they're getting in. A third of the homes that are being sold now are uh, first-time home buyers. And remember that they've had a lot of time here. And by the way, all throughout this, we've been lowering down payment requirements. We've been lowering interest rates. We've been lowering credit standards. There's all these different movements afoot to help get people able to to get in and qualify and be able to own a home. So. It's it's kind of wild um, the way the numbers are working. And all the while, it's it's raising the home values, as we learned from the existing homes report. Now, you have a reading off of the FHFA index. Basically validates what the existing homes price uh, increase showed. This was at 5.6% year-over-year increase for June. This is a June number. Mm-hmm. And I think the... The one that I, the existing homes number is based on National Association of Realtors figures for July. So we are, there's a month lag here, but 
kind of shows you where we're at nationally. Yep. I'm still stuck on this existing homes report because there's a few other things in here that's kind of interesting. All cash sales were down. Only 21% of total transactions in July. Hmm. And interestingly enough, over the same period, um, mortgage rates from June to June, or I'm sorry, from June to July declined. And um, the average commitment rate for all loans in 2015 was 3.85%, which is above the average commitment rate for mortgage rate here in 2016. It's kind of wild. Hmm. NAR president says that in addition to affordability concerns, realtors are indicating that appraisal complications are appearing more frequently as the reason why a contract signing experience was delayed at settlement. Hey, <laughs> I feel like we talked about that. <laughs> it came from another <laughs> article. Yeah. Anyway, summary. There's a shortage of homes. There's a crazy demand and it's driving values up. All the while, interest rates are at historical lows. Call me today. <laughs> <laughs> but potentially poised to raise. Maybe as soon as September? Yeah. We don't yeah. Know. You never know. The feds are, there's a 38% chance that the feds are raising <laughs> rates next month. What's your prediction now? December. December? December, quarter point, and then... See yeah. what the new year brings. Yeah. We're going to have a new president. Yeah. We're going to have potentially some control in Congress given up or deepened. You know, you never know. I saw some stuff already that the GOP um, party is basically, it's probably speculation, but effectively throwing in the towel on Trump. And instead of putting their, putting money, their money and energy behind him, yeah. that they're just moving to try to put some money and control into Keeping getting the seats Congress, in Congress, yeah. you know? So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but all the while, guess what? No matter what, I, I have a prediction for you that I'm pretty sure is going to come true. We're probably going to have uh, an undersupply of homes as home values continue to rise. Regardless of the president. <laughs> That's true. Regardless of Congress. Yep. You know, you can count on that. I really think that this generation right now is going to be um, the generation that has the home affordability crisis on their hands. And the biggest component to it is the fact that you can't take a decade off of building and keep breeding during that decade. And, and it's not just population growth. It's not just immigration and new U.S. births. It also is homes that are being knocked out of circulation because they're old or they're destroyed. I mean, how many of those homes are destroyed down in the South now over this flooding? I mean, I know a lot of them aren't complete losses, but they're in uninhabitable. Yeah. So those also get cast into this number where homes that are damaged in fire or tornado, um, we don't see a lot of homes damaged in earthquakes, thankfully. Um, well, Italy did this week, which was crazy. That's crazy. And that's oh. a 6.2, which Paso was a 6.5. Yeah, well, but you're but building But the buildings here, are 400, 400 years old, too, yeah. in Italy. So. It's almost not fair. Yeah. I'd almost suggest that if we could 
nail down disasters geographically by country, the U.S. should probably be taking a greater share of them because the buildings are new. The codes are designed to withstand shaking earth. You go throw this earthquake down in a country like that with old masonry buildings that are unreinforced. It's Mm. devastating. Some of those pictures and videos I watched of uh, them trying to dig people out of class buildings, just crazy to me. Yeah. Wild. Um, anyway, all of the homes that get destroyed for these variety of reasons, those are part of it too. And just homes that are old. They're too old to maintain anymore. They just they get to that point. When I was driving into the studio this morning, I I was on South Iguera and I was driving past, um, you know where the sub is? Yeah. Uh, what? That's still, well, uh, it's, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, still is, yeah. it's burned. Mm-hmm. And looking pretty pretty hazardous, and I keep wondering too, how are the environmentalists just letting that thing sit there like that with no roof? It's filling up. It's going to fill up with rainwater, and wind is blowing this crap around from like melted plastic. Well, and they other... did a lot of cleanup, but it just I think what it is, it just takes so long to go For through the, the insurance and then the planning yeah. and all yeah. these things. It's when crazy. and when, so I was looking as I was traveling south on South Igera there. I'm looking at the sub, and over the top of it, you could see a couple of other buildings that were missing their roof. Mm-hmm. You know, like old steel-sided buildings that I wonder what's going to happen with those. But So anyways, it's all those kind of things where they just, they're just they just worn out due to age and got to be replaced. So, yeah, yeah this generation is going to be the generation that deals with the housing crisis, I think, in a big way. It'll probably be the big challenge. Um, so if you own a home... You might refinance it into a lower rate and get ready just to collect your equity. You are going to be rolling fat for decades. Um, if you don't own a home and you want to get in on it, um, we can help you with that. It's what we do. Uh, we do all of the different kinds of purchase loans that you could think of, many that you're unaware of, but um, lots of fun acronyms about some of them are 100% financing. Conventional loans, now you only need 3% down to qualify in most cases. Uh, 5% down gains you entry to, to most of the programs, including last week we discussed this too, but jumbo loans um, with as little as 5% down. So the only way that you're going to know what you qualify for or how to get on a path to qualifying is to get in, Get in touch with a skilled loan officer that can kind of help navigate that for you. So if you want that, give us a call. We're at 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. Additionally, you can just go start the education process. Um, A great first stop is centralcoastlending.com. Reading about rates, reading about programs and pricing and requirements and what to expect during the process. So check it out, centralcoastlending.com, or call us at 543-LOAN. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. We'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters. Take care.